0: Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bygrave, that's me. This is a show about how you can go about building a creative and rewarding career in and around the world of drinks. My guest today is Dre Masso. He's a veteran bartender of the London scene and has touched countless careers and lives with his work, whether it's through a number of consulting jobs on bars or his own bars. He's just opened up a new one in London called the Drinks Trolley. All through his work alongside his late creative partner, Henry Bassant with Altos Tequila. Dre is coming to Australia and New Zealand in January next year, only a few weeks away now. And that brings me to our sponsor this week. This episode is sponsored by Altos Tequila and the Collective Spirit Competition they're running. That's the reason for Dre's visit, and he'll be touring Australia with Julio Bermejo, the creator of the Tommy's Margarita and operator of Tommy's in San Francisco. It's all with the aim of inspiring our bartenders to enter Altos Tequila's Tahona Society, the Collective Spirit Competition, This year, there is 50,000 US dollars on offer for the winner. The Collective Spirit is a global comp from Altos Tequila and its Tejona Society, and it focuses in on sustainability and social welfare. It gives hospitality professionals a chance to create and launch a business concept that could change their bars and the industry forever. To enter, submit an idea, concept, or a business plan focusing on sustainability or social welfare through the Tejona Society website by February 28, 2023. But make sure you get to Juan of Dre's sessions first, he'll be in Brisbane on Sunday, January 15th in Sydney, on Monday January 16th, in Melbourne on the 17th of January that's a Tuesday he's in Adelaide on Wednesday January 18th. Perth on Thursday the 19th of January and gets across the ditch to New Zealand and Auckland on Sunday the 22nd of January and then finishes up in Wellington on Monday January 23 now finalists from both Australia and New Zealand will be announced in March 2023 and will be flown to Mexico in June 2023 to present at the global finals the winner will walk away with that big 50,000 US dollars and and a year's worth of mentoring from the Harvard Innovation Lab. It's a pretty incredible prize, and I reckon it could change your career forever. Okay, now let's get to my chat with Dre Masso. Here he talks about the importance of grasping opportunities as they come. He also talks about the collective spirit and the Tehona Society and what to expect when he comes to town next year. Okay, now on to my chat with Dre Masso. Dre Masso, welcome to Drinks at Work from Boothby. Nice to have you here. Sam, thanks very much. Lovely to connect with you. Yeah, it's good. Uh, you're coming to Australia uh, in January next year, or Australia and New Zealand, I should say. Um, but before we get onto that and the reason for your visit, I just and it's a question I like to ask on drinks at work in general is uh, just sort of set the table. You do, you do a few different things, uh, whether it's you know uh, consultancy stuff, you know uh, work with Altis Tequila, and you've just recently opened a bar. Yep. Uh, can you tell us what a typical week looks like for you or maybe a typical day, if there is such a thing? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty non-typical. Um, and, and, <laughs>
1: I, and that's what I love about it. Uh, and, I, and I guess as much as I can, I divvy my time up between working from home and then kind of getting out there and working within venues. Uh, I have just opened and we're in launch stage of a new venue in King's Cross, London. Uh, the venue nice. split into two. Bell & Viv is the name of... The cafe upstairs uh, and the owners are old friends they've named the cafe after their two kids bell and viv um they asked me to come and have a look at it uh perhaps you know help them with some some drinks you know I, i'm a i'm a big fan of them and and they're completely independent they've got a couple of little cafes and um i just found myself uh more committed to the project than perhaps than i initially thought i would be and uh the Ooh. basement in particular i saw and they said "Oh, we don't really have money to do anything with this at the beginning we'll do this as stage two or we're we'll perhaps rent it out or we we'll use it as a hot spot um and I, I just saw the potential of it so i i kind of uh pushed them to to do something with it and and i i contributed in a big way and, and downstairs is called the drinks trolley uh it certainly lends itself for that kind of masterclass environment, so training and education in the daytime, mm. in the afternoon, and then in the evening, it's the cocktail parlour. Um, and I did everything with that one. And and I guess you know, I'm, I'm, next year I'm celebrating 30 years in the industry. I've done quite a few different things. Uh, I've worked with some great entrepreneurs and and picked up a few things along the way. And I found myself uh, doing the interior design. You know, completely for this project, which was a lot of fun, and uh, wow. part of, part of that design was, I guess, stupidly falling romantically in love with with a specific chair that, that I like the look of, and and uh, and and it's quite a practical chair, um, but it's yeah. it's a smaller chair than the normal uh, like restaurant chair height, and and I was struggling with a table, and I found myself at home next to a drinks trolley and and figured out that this this could perhaps be part of um, the concept if you like um, right. and, and then you know that evolved and, and the whole place you know as well as the, the mid century furniture it has this kind of seventies feel to it and, and I am a child of the seventies and you know it evolved and, and morphed into something that actually feels quite succinct now and and the, the drinks that we showcase at the drinks trolley are perhaps, you know, selected from what could possibly be the worst drinks era uh, ever, <laughs> the, 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 the 70s.
0: Um, yeah, they didn't cover themselves in glory in the 70s.
1: Yeah, so we showcased those, <laughs> but obviously we've we've remixed them and uh, I've had a lot of fun uh with those. But yeah, that this has been a really personal project, you know, managing to, you know, think about, every little aspect of of that room it's not big it's very intimate 35 covers yeah um but uh you know everything everything in that room is vintage uh so kind of begged or or borrowed uh found in many cases (laughs) um but it it looks great it feels great you know vintage speakers the the, the sound is i I think you know warm and unique and anyway that's kind of my uh, hq for the moment um and then I am in concept uh, conceptual uh, stage with a new agent project under uh, the umbrella of The Breakfast Group, uh, it's owned by a guy called Eric Yu. I've worked with Eric over the last 20 or so years, on and off, uh, opened a handful of venues with him and, and collaborated um you know in terms of ownership as well with with a couple opium in chinatown was one of them so yeah whenever i can i help him out and he's working on a new project very high-end asian um and it's something this is kind of homage to you know his his family his mother his roots and uh it's really interesting so that will open early next year um and then uh, i'm also setting up uh, a creative agency with uh, a lady by the name of Miranda Dixon, and I think she's one of the most creative individuals I've ever worked with. Um, and uh, if you're familiar with the brand Absolute Elix, it's more of her recent work, mm. but all the kind of, you know, the, the look and feel, the style, the identity of that brand uh, came from her more than anyone else. And uh, she's now back in the UK, and you know, we we're working on a few few projects together. So. just kind of building that at the moment um so that's kind of what i'm doing at the moment and and obviously there's there's the work with altos um uh, we launched altos in 2009 um and uh it's been a great partnership um we're still looking at new ideas and Mm. You know um, some some fresh concepts, but we have some ongoing projects with them, uh, and I'm a, a part of that. And I'm thrilled that you know occasionally I get to travel uh, to different places and connect with with the fire industry overseas. And uh, and it's always a you know a, a big big learn for me. You know whenever I go away, it's uh, it's I come back with all these ideas. So you know I'm, I'm
0: stoked mm. that I can do that. It's a pretty great perk of the gig, right? Now I'm uh, I'm talking to you. It's eight o'clock, I think, around that in the morning where you are. It's no, sorry, nine o'clock. Nine, yeah, yeah. Well, it's after dinner time for me. It's eight o'clock, and I've got a bottle of Altos here. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to crack one for myself. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was supplied by our, our uh, Altos ambassador out here, Alice Newport. So I'd be rude not to. Nice. I wish I could join uh, you, but I'm about to get on my <laughs> motorbike and uh, yeah, and head. To Let's not camp. do that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so yeah. In terms of an origin story, how did you become a bartender in the first place? How, did, what sort of brought you into this industry, and what keeps you there?
1: Yeah, like like many people, it was kind of accidental. You know, often we do the bartending thing until we're you know uh, till we figured something out. And um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, my, my mom, um, mom was an au pair in the in the UK in London, but she also worked at um, you know restaurants and bars. Most weekends, you know, her friends, uh, you know, were, were restaurant owners, uh, and in particular, you know, she, for a long time, she worked with it for one of the best Swiss restaurants, uh, in London. And often as a single mother, she'd take me along and, you know, when she was working on the weekends, I'd just, I just, I would hang out there. So I was familiar with that environment mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, and you know, when, as soon as I could, when I was 15, I was working in places that she was working at, you know, private members clubs and that, that kind of thing, just. Yeah, you know, clearing up. Um, yeah, I, And I went through college, I studied photography. Ex- it, it is, it was an expensive thing to, to study because you've got to have all the bits that go with it and not just yeah. the equipment, but you know, paper and chemicals and negatives and everything else. Yeah. Access uh, to a dark room. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and and I loved it, but I, I needed to, to pay for that. So I worked in bars during college. Uh, and when I came out of college, I I knew that I didn't want to go to university for a couple of reasons, and a a major one was that I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and also I I wasn't prepared to kind of get myself in that serious debt, it just didn't make sense uh, for me, so so I I, at that point, and I had been working in a half-decent cocktail bar in the south of London. Um, but I was like, right, let me get to the heart of London and figure out where these places are. And I just started to, to ask, you know, which which bars existed or who who's leading the game? And mm. that's kind of been my path for, for the last 30 years. Um, yeah. You know, just making sure that I can collaborate, even with Miranda now, you know, she's someone, you know, uh, I, I think is completely inspirational. I also worked with Henry Beston and, and had a similar creative agency with him. And you now I, I worked mm. with him because I, didn't know him very well but I heard great things he was winning awards as uh you know for his managerial skills in bars um mm-hmm. you know Douglas anchor the same at the, the lab and Dick at the Lonsdale and you know it, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's always been that case and uh, and uh you know I think probably the, the best example of that is meeting Julio Bermejo and um, we wouldn't be having yeah. this conversation if it wasn't for him because I, I met him and he, he's like you know, if anyone wants to learn more about tequila, come and see me in San Francisco. I took that as an invite. I went to San Francisco and um, and uh, spent six months with him. And um, yeah, so so that's kind of what I did. I I made a point of going into London, working in Soho uh, at the age mm. of 18. Um, and you know, after a couple of years of working in in some decent places, I found the Atlantic Barn Grill. And at that stage, right. so this was mid '90s, uh, like '94. I was there. Um, mm. It was kind of like the the Wembley Stadium of bars of the time. It was, you know, set setting the the, yeah. the blueprint for what we now know today. Um, and uh, it, there was just nothing like it. And yeah. um, you know, they had a great training program, and they had a fabulous array of of quality spirits, um, and it just had the ambience in the ele- elegance that, that surrounded it, and it was just a wonderful place. I was with Oliver Payton and and, um, and that company for four years, um, yeah. uh, and then yeah, I just kept, kept carried on going. And some of the other highlights uh, I kind of mentioned that the lab in Soho that was a pivotal time. I was, um, with, with Jamie Oliver, his first restaurant, 15, um, well with um. With Henry, we opened a, a bunch of places and uh, you know, some iconic places like Bungalow Eight and Ronnie Scott's uh, Jazz Club in Soho. I think for their fortieth birthday, we did the revamp. We, we did we did a bunch of stuff, um, and uh, and I just carried on doing that. Um, in in two thousand and ten, I kind of went solo. Um, yeah. To. Proved to myself that I could uh, just figure all of this out on my own and and take a slightly different direction. But I started working with uh, a fantastic group in in Asia, uh, Potato Head in in Indonesia and uh, spent four years with them as well. Um, And that that was a very important part of my life. Fantastic company. I don't, I don't know if you've spent any time over there. In, 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 I'm sure you've been to Bali, sound but with Potato <laughs> Head, I do you checked it out.
0: I, I might be the one Australian who hasn't, uh, actually. Okay. <laughs> I, again, you know,
1: ba- Bali is a very interesting place and I, I think I would encourage anyone in hospitality to get out there because, you know, mm. they, they were in many ways so behind, but just, you know, what they've been able to achieve and uh, in terms of, concepts and design um is uh is trailblazing in many ways and a lot of that came from a, a guy called Ronald Achille that I worked with a young entrepreneur mm. that just had this incredible um I don't know just left of field attitude about everything and and wanted to do things in a unique way uh, and yeah. strived for excellence and you know it was kind of kind of like a a gift to to be able to work with him because you know whenever yeah. we would discuss something that perhaps we've seen in the past, he'd like no, I don't want to do something that we've seen in the past. Oh wow! You know, I want to yeah. I want to do something completely completely fresh. So so yeah, there's yeah. there's a little summary. There were some other bits and pieces, but I guess some highlights of how I got into it and what's yeah, been
0: happening. I feel like we just scratched the surface there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But can I quickly, just a quick follow up on that. We we talk about the the guy with uh, Mr. Pot- uh, sorry, with Potato Head. What's the, do you have a criteria that you set for yourself when it's coming to work with these people? Like who do you choose to work with? Who, do, who don't you choose to work with? Why do you take on these kind of, these, um, it, these jobs? Yeah. I, I think
1: in the past it's all happened in a very organic and, and natural way. Yeah. Um, and you just find the, the, the synergy and you know, either it works or it doesn't, but I, I, um, I was very attracted to what they were doing. Um, you know, I, I, again, I kind of, you know, I did everything I could to, to, to be part of that. And, and I was a consultant for, for the potato head for a few years and they were asking me to come out as they were, they were expanding and growing. And, um, mm. and, and actually at that point, cause I was doing lots in London too and had opened my own bar. I was, you know, I was even suggesting other people and I guess that's partly a reflection of, uh, how organized other, other, bartenders are or aren't, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but not, nothing, nothing happened. And then, you know, uh, he, yeah. he, he asked me when the time was right. And I, I moved out there with my family and, um, it, uh, was certainly a, a, a game changer. Um, but yeah. yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, I've, there's a, a lot of what I've done has, has never been really that well fanned out. No, I, I've, yeah. uh, it's been a, a combination of things, things that I've been into, good timing, and and just just uh, honestly good partnerships, and uh, yeah. things have have been born from from that kind of relationship.
0: Uh, so you are coming out to Australia, New Zealand, um, come, coming up as part of uh, Outsource Tequila's Tohono Society. Yeah. Can you tell us about your visit? Why what the what the reason is behind it? Yeah, so we've got a a pretty uh pretty pretty big tour. I mean, just. Just with You're going everywhere, <laughs> just with Australia,
1: yeah. So we we kick yeah. off uh, on the fifteenth of Jan in Brisbane, and you know every day we're we're moving around. So it goes Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, and then the following week we're into New Zealand, um, which is is great because there's a there's a couple of cities there that I haven't visited yet. So um, yeah, I'm privileged that you know, I'm 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 back in in Australia uh, and New Zealand, uh, and there's more to see and, and discover. Um, yeah. And this is all in conjunction with Altos, obviously, and a program we have called the Tahona Society. Uh, and that is the program that has developed, I guess, and it, it sounds like a plug, but the easiest way to really describe this is to check out their website. It's pretty good. It's yeah. Um uh, and the reason I say that is because I'm going to be missing some aspects of it. But um, sure. that, that website is very informative and can show you examples of what we've done in the past. But mm. the year that we launched, uh, I said, uh, we Hen- Henry and I launched Altos in 2009, we also um, paired it with a training program, which we call the Tahona Society. The Tohono is a, a, an important aspect of... How Altos is made because it's it's quite a new unique method, um, but we we titled this program the Tejona Society, and because mm. there were a lot of misinformation around various agave spirits, not just tequila, um, yeah. we thought that we would use this opportunity while we were launching the brand to also talk about uh, the history of you know, Mexican culture and how it, it relates to agave spirits and. I have to admit that at the start it was this very heady, um, you know, very complex and and kind of too geeky uh, program. Yeah, it was like you know two intense days and and a, and a competition <laughs> in there, and you know the, we we had to see that to figure it out. And over the years it has um, developed in a really nice way. So it went from being this this very detailed uh history lesson if you like to um you know relaxing and having more fun and that's what the brand is about and for years we had a a great cocktail competition um that would i guess mirror a lot of the trends that were happening around the time so we certainly you know zoned in on things like the slow food movement and food Mm. truck culture and you know several years back we um Lots of people were starting to talk about it, and we made it kind of our business for the cocktail competition to to be, you know a resourceful cocktail competition, if you like, with, right, you know, positive impact or sustainability or whatever whatever you want to kind of frame that in. Um, and, and it was a it was a great competition, um, with some brilliant ideas. Kelsey Ramage um, from Trash Tiki won that in two thousand and seventeen, and. Shortly after yeah. she kickstarted Trash Tiki with with Ian, um, you know she she's like a you know a, a great custodian of of w- what what we were doing and, and still is. Um, but we also I don't know there was there, there was something about like there are lots of co- cocktail competitions they're they're all great yeah. for many reasons. But you know even with a sustainable cocktail competition like how sustainable is it and also you know how impactful is it. For the person, yeah. the brand, the drink, the other people involved. Um and it just felt kind of it was very kind of much of the moment. And um for a long time we had been considering how we could progress with this activation. Uh, we still mm-hmm. wanted to keep the core values, but um, you know, what could this look like? Um and uh, you know, I, I remember trying to push this idea that you know, I'd still love to do one, one day with, I don't know, with, with someone, but for me, it was like the ultimate prize for a bartender is to win their own bar, you know, could, yeah. could we make this happen? I, I even talked with Potato Head about this because for a while we had this empty space that's it's like, let's bring someone up, <laughs> you know, the, the, the price yeah. to come and live and work and own a place in Bali was like, you know, kind of dream job. Anyway, it didn't, didn't, yeah. didn't happen, but you know, the, we 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 condensed that idea, and uh, be, between us, I think we've we've come up we've, we've come up with something very special, um, and it comes with its challenges. But it it is now asking bartenders to come up with an entrepreneurial idea, so they need to put their business hat mm-hmm. on, and uh, come up with something that will improve our industry in some way, shape, or form, and that's pretty broad. Uh, all yeah. our values of being resourceful and, and uh, positive impact fall into any of that because it's improving what we do, whether it's you know improving yeah. how we minimize waste or uh, how it's better for our health or whatever else, it all it, it all connects really well. Um, yeah. so we've been doing that for a few years. So my role as, I guess, like a mini mean, activist for this uh, program is to explain how the mechanics of this competition works and encourage people yep. to do it because asking a bartender to submit a recipe is really easy. Uh, you know, they fill out a form, they come up with an idea on many occasions, they don't even have to make the drink. You know, they can, they can kind of visual, <laughs> visualize
0: it pretty, pretty well. And most of those, most of those drinks never get made.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you yeah. know, it's not a complex thing and you know, they if they need to add a story to it. They can. And, and it's, pinged by email, and off it goes. Yeah. Um, but we're asking them to think outside of the box. And a lot of bartenders are, are, are somewhat intimidated by this process. So I'm there mm. to go, look, here are a bunch of case studies. Here are a bunch of people that have won this project too. Of have a phenomenal yeah. fr- prize of 50000 US dollars um, to kickstart this Jeez. project. And you have not only financial, but you have uh, you know, a wealth of expertise that's there to advise and steer that that winner in the right direction. Um, mm. So it's just you know it's just opening minds up to say, look this this really is for, for everyone. no idea is, yeah. is stupid some or, or too small or too big. we can we, we can remould it and shape it to, to make this work. so um, so that's that's my role and we have the finals in Mexico next year so uh, i it this is early for like for, for this uh episode if you like uh i've done yeah. one trip to colombia um which was great because that's where my family are from and uh, I'm a big supporter of the colombian bartending scene uh and then we'll be visiting you guys in january and then february i'm in the uk so this will all build up and then uh the the chosen one from each country will be invited to mexico and they have uh a very special week where you know they're immersed in uh in the in the country that i fell in love with and and uh, the the reason why i i, I love I mean, everything mexican but in particular tequila and agave spirits they get to they, they get to see that, eat the amazing food, and and go to these incredible places, and the distillery and everything else. But they also, uh, we do it in this Shark Tank way, uh, Shark Tank style. Right. Yeah, and we we in fact we have a judge from Shark Tank Mexico and Colombia. She's she's on the on the panel, um, but she's there oh. to give. She does seminars. Uh, we have another guy. Who is a speechwriter? Used to write the uh, the speeches for the Mexican ex-Mexican president. Uh, and oh, wow. you know, has incredible presence on stage and and is very funny. And he he he's there to help, but also there to kind of re- relax, um, the the group too. Um, yeah. So all of these things, you know, they have training sessions, and it's remarkable to see, you know, how they come in on day one and are. Uh, explaining their idea in a certain way and then on day five they're up on stage in front of a big audience uh, being judged yeah. and tested and uh and it, it ends up all of them you know being very polished and uh yeah it's, it's brilliant i'm so proud to be a part of this um yeah so yeah and that's, that's- a
0: skill that they're, they're able to use you know if they don't win the competition that that's something they can take on to open bars or pitch brands to people or it's amazing yeah,
1: I think so. Uh, we've seen a few of them carry on and do their projects anyway, and then yeah. I know how insp- inspirational it is. I'd say the reason I'm I've done what I've done with this new bar, the drinks trolley, is because I was stood there last year, just inspired by all these conversations and and these stories, and I was like, I, need, you know, I need to do my own thing again. Uh, yeah. and uh, I, I, it gave me that mindset. To go right! I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it a certain way. And I'm I'm gonna be in control of this. And I'm I'm gonna reduce the cost in a certain way. And um, mm. and less than a year later, you know, I've I've opened a bar. So it's 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 hugely inspirational. Um, and like you just mentioned, maybe they don't continue with with their idea, but there's so many things that they can take away and uh, utilize within other types of business. And that might just be how they run the bar. So. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty special. And you know, I mentioned Julio Bermejo earlier, but Julio's uh, on the
0: Australia part of the tour. So he'll be there wow. every day with me. Um, he's, he's a wonderful man. Yeah. He's just so generous with his time and his knowledge. He's incredible. Yeah, yeah,
1: I yeah, love, love sp- spending time with Julio. Um, and you know, he has a title of ambassador of tequila for the United States. I, I just think he's a great li- life <laughs> ambassador um, yeah. he is, uh, it's so refreshing to be around him. You know, it's just, it's just ball of en- energy, wealth of knowledge. Um, and mm. we thought, um, you know, this would be a great opportunity to get Julio back out in Australia. Um, and, uh, so he'll be sharing some of his stories and, you know, there's some great inspiration behind, you know, how his family have, have built that restaurant. And I think yeah. they're cel-
0: celebrating, you know, 57 years this year, so yeah um it's it's pretty strong that's incredible uh what are some of the qualities out of you know the people who have won this comp before what are some of the qualities that their i guess their ideas had or their or their presentations had that kind of got them through to that final round
1: that's a really good question and i'd say first and foremost it's about using the resources because everyone is given this opportunity. So we have a team that are like ex-Harvard sustainable graduates. Um, There's a wealth of talent there. And there are all these like sessions, one-to-one sessions set up for the contestants to spend with these people. Um, And I I think we were just a bit kind of crestfallen to, to see that some of them didn't even take that opportunity and some of them maximize those opportunities and the, the team mm. from cuba let's use them as an example they won and you know if you've ever spent any time in, in cuba you know it's hard to get anything if you look at the supermarkets the shelves are empty um so uh so happy for them to win but you can also see as a, a as a community as as people that they are very resourceful um right. you know they've with nothing, they can build these incredible things. And and uh, I think more to the point is that, you know, they were first to, to say, yes, we want to have these one-to-one sessions. Um, and they did all the follow-up with it. Um, and uh, and also they had an opportunity, I think, because we we overlapped during the, the pandemic and where everyone was pretty much in, in lockdown and people had to rethink and pivot and whatever else their Mm. business. And, uh, you know, they took that as an opportunity, not, not just to kind of put their concept together, but to get it out there. So I think that's, that's, you know, even if it was like you had a week or two or, or months to, to try it out, you know, why wouldn't you, uh, use that time to, to get feedback and, and to, look and assess and develop your project um so yeah there's a couple of things there for for those that were were able to uh uh to succeed was you know taking those those opportunities that were presented and then finding ways to just make it a reality to a a lot of those ideas you know we're we're not forcing anyone to do that a lot of the ideas are just you know these these these, uh conceptual ideas in their head and all they can show is perhaps a 2d drawing of what it may feel like, yeah. but if there's any way you can take that a step further,
0: um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it will it will benefit what you do, I think. Yeah, well, it shows initiative, right? And that's kind of, I mean, there's, I think there's a bit of an overlap here with what we were talking about before about your career and sort of seizing opportunities as they arise. You don't have to be planned, yeah. but it's about, you know, seeing a good opportunity come and, and going for it.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can, I mean, I feel a lot of the audience would know the story behind Altos Tequila, but can you can you briefly tell us what was the reason you and Henry got this thing going in the first place?
1: Yeah. Um, I mentioned Julio. Something I didn't mention is, um, well, there's a couple of things, but after spending six months with Julio in San Francisco, uh, shortly after that time, uh he was putting together a, a like professional trip to mexico uh i hadn't been at that stage we were going to visit a bunch of distilleries i just started working with with henry in london uh mm. and he had said to henry and i like I, I need a list of you know 20 30 people or so so influential bartenders or operators journalists that we're going to take to mexico and show them what we love um, so we were on that trip, um, and there were the likes of, you know, Daryl de Graff and, uh, Gary Regan and, uh, <laughs> from the States, but then from, from the UK and, and from Europe, we had people from France, Amsterdam, Italy, yeah. uh, uh, you know, people from theme magazine and, uh, it, it was a phenomenal trip. That was my first time, you know, really in, enhanced that passion. Um came back, and then because Henry and I were just so into tequila, we were doing anything we could to work with new brands that were coming in. And I guess we were, right. we, we had been pinpointed as two individuals that now knew a fair bit or maybe a little bit more than anyone else because we had done that trip. Um, yeah. And we had the opportunity to write a, a, a book dedicated to the Margarita, so that was called Margarita Rocks, that was 2005. And that same year, we had the opportunity. Uh, someone said to us as consultants, Oh, there's a venue here. Uh, we wanna we wanna do something, perhaps Latino, Cuban, Mexican, maybe." And we were like, "Oh, we wanna do Mexican, but we wanna do it really authentic." So taking mm. influence from what we had seen on our trips, and certainly paying homage to what what Julio was doing. Uh, so a big selection of 100% agave tequila. Um, Whereas in his case, it's just one cocktail that he has—the Tommy's Margarita. Uh, we had, we were, you know, cocktailians. We we wanted a nice list, but everything was a- agave based, um, yeah. and uh, and the food was from the region where tequila comes from, from Jalisco. So we had opened our our first bar. It was a place called Place Called Green and Red, a uh, little Mexican cantina. We were really enjoying that, um, and. Henry and I would romantically discuss, you know, if Henry, if you were going to make your own tequila, how would that look like? What would that look yeah. like? Um, and uh, there were certain aspects that we had seen from different distilleries, um, and I think in every case it was, um, you know, a, a nod towards tradition and uh, and the real authentic stuff, and uh, uh, and we we were kind of you know, just eager to be involved with something. And we had mentioned it to a couple of distillers, but I just, it wasn't something that they could even consider at that point. And actually yeah. what, what happened was um, because we had a relationship with Perna Ricard uh, and, and some of the UK brands like Femmeth and Beefeeder and Jameson and, and Chivas, uh, at some point someone said, oh, you got to meet the, the guys from House of Tequila. Uh, and they had said to the guys of House of Tequila, oh, you got to meet Brian. Henry, the, you know, flying flying this flag, certainly in the UK. Um, mm. um, so we, we were at that point taking lots of trips to, to Mexico, you know, two, two or so a year, uh, most of the time to bring back te- tequila that we could put on the shelves in the bar. Um, yeah. But on one of those trips, we went to the distillery. We had been there before, but we met with a great guy, Jesus Hernandez. He's really the, the hero in all of this. And he was developing something um they had uh, olmeca, which is olmeca which is their regular tequila which you know, i think was launched in 69 um mm. but in 2003 they had launched a great 100% agave tequila called hezon um and it was incredible liquid um but it had a pretty quite high heist point so i think they were realizing that's you know people are enjoying it when they're tasting it but it's not flying off the shelves. Mm. Um, so they were working on kind of, you know, something else. And uh, that's when we were invited. And again, there was no plan from either side. But at the distillery, it was like, oh, guys, will you will you be part of the tasting panel? Um, so we entered the lab and there was a good 40 different expressions. They were all different blends. Wow. And, and uh, the, the key thing with Altos is that it's a blend of... Tequila made it with the Tejona method and tequila made with the Morlino method, which is still a pretty old-school method, but both both styles will, will create a slightly different flavor profile. So we were just mm-hmm. looking at different ratios there. Uh, so we came into the picture. And furthermore, Jesus was asking us what we wanted to do with this tequila. And, you know, it's a simple thing of, you know, we we want to put it in. Into a margarita, we want to put it into different cocktails, um, yeah. and he was listening to that and uh, was was very generous. I think with with the whole with the whole idea. Um yeah. And uh, what's what's yeah.
0: that like? Just quickly, what's that like as a couple of bartenders, obviously good at what you do, but talking to this guy who's been making tequila for how long, and he's asking for your input. Well, how does that feel? That was really really special. Um, it's, yeah. It's something.
1: We, I think we, you know, looking back, we we, we were almost we had to pinch ourselves because um, <laughs> that that collaboration it is more common these days, and that's great. Yeah. Um, and I think there are so many bartenders that have incredible palettes and and should be part of that process. I don't think it should ever be really left to kind of one one person, one individual, no matter how experienced. Um mm. and but you know, at that time I don't think I'd heard of that, that kind of collaboration. No. Um so we were we were just we were being honest in what we thought about it. Uh and I think the the golden nugget was this guy his master distiller, just you know, he a very noble, very humble guy. Um that uh was was just listening to us and, and was like okay cool let's let's see what we can do uh yeah. and almost like walking away from those meetings with henry going did that really happen um, <laughs> and, that's pretty uh, cool yeah it was it was really nice it was really nice and uh you know jesus is perhaps a little less involved these days but even with new projects that we've been working on occasionally we get to i get to team up with him again and and some other people we you know we We've done some new stuff recently and get chefs involved to taste it and sommeliers. And, you know, it's uh yeah, it's, a, cool.
0: it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. What does it feel like to, you know, when, it, when you're traveling around the world now and you see that bottle of Altos that you had that input into, it's on bars all over the place. It's,
1: it's, it's great. Uh, it's great. I think Altos because it's had the support from Pernod Ricard has, I think it's really—I mean—because there are a couple of things here. You—you you will hardly ever see an advertisement from uh, for for where you will see with some of the other brands that you know have a higher price tag and they can afford to do that. And, and we've never really been able to do that, so it's all been through the bartending community, really. Um, mm-hmm. But you got—we've got to thank Pernod Ricard for allowing us to do that, but also. Yeah, you know, I think I think Altos is, you know, a, a decent quality, well-made made product, um, a, a good all-rounder. Um, at a good price point, we we were adamant that we wanted something that we could use within our speed rail. Um, uh, and I think it's really helped to, sh- to shape this current environment. Tequila is a mm. lot more established, not just tequila, and mezcal. So I, I, I think... I'm not saying it's all down to Altos, but I definitely say Altos has has played a big part in all of that because of the teams around it around the world, and, and because of the distillery yeah. and because of the actual product. I think it's allowed people to uh, um, to kind of yeah grow with it, and and I think it's helped other other brands too. But but yeah, in terms of a a personal feeling, it's obviously lovely to, to see that brand. Uh, yeah. Not not just in bars. I you know it, we see it in quite a few supermarkets over here, um, yeah. And in the states and you know I I obviously like friends that have nothing to do with the industry were like yeah, yeah we we want to make a margarita at home. For me, it's like hey, go and get yourself a bottle of Altos, a little tub of agave and some fresh limes. You know it's uh, and I think you're we welcome, should, friends. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> and, and it's. it's Cascading effect because it's a simple recipe that shows is such a delicious drink, and then also it, I would encourage them to try it with other tequilas as well because you mm-hmm. can really tell the the, the base spirit uh, apart. Um, so. Um, it's a really good starting point. But yeah, it's this cascading effect. So they're going to tell their friends and uh yeah. I and I love that. You know, I I love seeing people make cocktails at home, good quality cocktails at home that are a bar standard, if you like, bar quality yeah. cocktails. And uh and yeah, so it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's great to see it on the shelves, great to see it in, in the supermarkets and uh yeah, I'm just yeah, like I said, super, super pleased that I've been able to continue to work with them um, yeah. and they're still doing lots of lots of positive stuff
0: yeah it's, it must be a nice feeling to see your work get out there and touch so many people you know yeah. that's yeah. Uh, that's a cool thing uh, okay I've got I'm conscious you probably want to get on with your day <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm just I'm just getting settled into the outsource now mm. so but uh, last two questions for you and yeah. I'd like to ask this question what is it about you and your and your character and your sort of personal qualities? That you think have set you up for this kind of career that you've had, where you've done so many different things and um, quite creative things as well. That's a good
1: question. I think there is something that relates to what we've we've spoken about before. Um, and another example of this is that you know a second cocktail book, which was classic cocktails at home, um, which I'm doing a, a, a new revamp now, um, mm. which was. You know, I talked about a great thing, uh, aficionados making a good quality cocktail at home, and I think that that also translates to my general style and and how I would put things across in bars for the guests too. Um, you know, I think I think I can be contemporary, and you know, because I travel the world and see see these these ideas firsthand, I think I'm in a great position to kind of grab what is cutting edge and uh, and introduce those to some of the bars that I'm working with. Um, mm. but also I am always kind of figuring out how one, what's the most practical way for the, the team to achieve those results. Um, and that factors in a few things. So, the, you know, the, 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 cost of goods, uh, yeah. the, 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 the time and energy that goes into it, um, taste has to be at the Forefront of everything, but also, how can that be re- received by the guests? You know, do they get the concept? Uh, you mm. know, some people talk about, you know, polarizing concept, and it's not for everyone, and that's great. But I've never, I've never been great with that idea. Um, mm. I, I think I would struggle where if only twenty percent liked it, but really liked it, and eighty percent weren't sure. Yeah, I would, I would prefer. Kind of more like you know eighty eighty five ninety percent all feeling it was like a decent thing. Um, Right. Okay. And uh, and and you know maybe I guess in some areas like you know perhaps not daring enough, but I think the uh, for me the message has to kind of go to the to the to the guest. Um, I want them to understand it. I want them to love it. I want Mm. them to uh, to Really enjoy the concept, uh, so I think yeah, all of those things factor in. I'm like, I'm just always thinking about like the like the the, the guests that are receiving end, um, uh, and yeah, and my style. you're, you're able to
0: put yourself in someone else's shoes. Yeah,
1: al- always, and that and that's with you know whatever we're creating, and you know I might I might be proven wrong at sometimes, but then I will kind of re- reflect and re look, look at it. Um, but yeah, we all have our own kind of personal taste, um, yeah. and you know, I'm, I'm, and I've probably done this in the past. With you know, created something that is you know very much, you know, for for the bartender or, or wanting to please the, the 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 bartending crew. But you know, I think yeah. the, these days it's certainly like, cool. I, I I want I want the customer to be wowed, uh, and yes. uh, and how can we set about doing that and. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's my overall style and approach. Um, you know, create something that is as tasty as, a, as it possibly can be, but uh, I think I'm quite a practical person.
0: Mm. Okay. Uh, last question for you. Uh, what do you look for in a great bar, and what, uh, what makes you happy in a bar? That's a good question. And... Uh,
1: yeah, how, how to summarise this is is, is difficult, it's, I think, um, yeah. because it is, you know, often it's just a feeling and there's so many factors that that can go into it. Um, and, you know, really some of the, the so-called best bars in the world uh, aren't yeah. judged in this way. Um, but, you know, if you were to go into a bar, I mean, you, you, you kind of just know and you know, because of, of a, an energy and a, and a feeling, and whether you call that ambience or you know mood or whatever. Uh, and I'd like to say that, you know, that consists of everything from, you know, the, the lighting and the music um, and the temperature and the design and everything else. But, you know, I, I can almost argue with myself there because <laughs> there's a little bar in the town of Tequila called La Capilla. That, play, yeah. that, that plays opera music on a CD player. The lights are bright, uh, and uh, it, it it's it's a bit of a dump, you know. But <laughs> but but you walk in and it it feels magical. So there are other elements there yeah. involved, and and Tequila is a pretty magical place. Um, so there's definitely a an element that I'm talking about, which is energy in some way. The energy of a room. Um, mm. and they can be har- enhanced with you know in certain ways um but then I also think there's a there's a there's a human aspect to it um, and really a lot of the best bars in the world relate to a, a, a human a, a person that is associated with that bar um, yeah. or people or the team um, and uh, so yeah the the, the, the style of service can come from that. So, you know, the, the, the bar that won uh, best bar, 50 best bar this year, Paradiso, um, mm. you, you may not like every aspect of that bar, but when you walk into that room, yeah, every everyone working in that room from behind the bar, the floor will look up to you and give you this phenomenal greeting. Yeah. Um, mm and they've taken that to such a, a high level um and it's not that everyone should be doing that um but there's there's something to take from that in terms of yeah. you know the opposite of that is looking down and being just immersed in your work and, and not not uh, seeing people come into your room so um yeah how you're treated and uh, and everything else you know i'm kind of leaving the the, the, the product t- towards towards the end yeah. of this um yeah uh, and it, it is important um, uh, and it's definitely a strong factor,
0: but it's not, uh, it's not the most important factor. No, know? I think that feeling and that the energy, but that's the feeling, I think, I think that's uh, cause like you said, luck, luck, I've been to La twice and I was just like, it's a special place, but it's, yeah. but it's a shack, you know, kind of thing. It's like, it's, there's not much to it. Yeah. There's plastic tables, but it's, but it's incredible. It's one of yeah. my favorite bar experiences I've ever had.
1: Yeah. Tom, Tommy the bar Tommy's Mexican restaurant is is great and it, it's it's great whoever is working the bar there mm. but it's phenomenal when Julio's is working there yeah. uh, and you know you you feel like a king and you know you just it's a it's a it's a unique experience um, and no matter how much you know some of his energy is has been you know uh trained into his staff or, or 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 absorbed by his staff you know he 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 is tommy's and um there are lots yeah. of individuals you know lacap is still great but when Don Javier was there and, and uh did yeah. you get a chance to to be there when he yeah. was yeah
0: yeah, he wasn't yeah. working, but was, we sat down and uh, we had a chat. So, well, yeah, because I, I don't speak Spanish, but yeah. yeah, but it was yeah, just yeah. it was very special. And yeah. he, like we walked in, and he made sure that you know that the boys were like get them some food and, and this sort of stuff. And I was like, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, just yeah, a couple he, of guys from Australia. You he know? had that. He had that presence, there, and he was like
1: that with everyone. So um, yeah, yeah. So so yeah. So but he, but the the, the energy, uh, I think, of, of of a room is. Uh,
0: is something certainly to consider. Mm. Well, people have the chance to uh, get that energy and that feeling from you and from Hulu when you come to town in January. Thank you very much for having a chat with me today. It's been great. I could talk for hours more. Yeah,
1: Dan, thank you very much. Uh, And thanks for for doing this so late in the day.
0: Appreciate you. My pleasure. The tequila helps. (laughs) Cheers. Okay, brother. (laughs) Thanks, Dre, again for the chat, and thank you to you for listening. Now, a reminder of those dates for the Collective Spirit Masterclasses again. Dre will be in Brisbane on Sunday, January 15th, in Sydney on Monday, the 16th of January. He goes to Melbourne for Tuesday, 17th of January, Adelaide on Wednesday, January 18th, Perth, Thursday, January 19th, over to New Zealand and Auckland on the 22nd of January, that's a Sunday, and then finishes up in Wellington on Monday, the 23rd of January. And that 15000 US dollar prize could really change your life. Make sure you get along, find out all the information and have a crack at the Collective Spirit competition this year. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please share them with a friend and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get yours. I really appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work from Boothby.